0: If you have your Bibles, we're going to turn together to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, and we're going to read verse 16 to 25. And uh, you can turn there with me as well. It's going to, as always, be there with you up on the screen. This is Paul's words to the church in Galatia. I say then, walk by the Spirit, and you will certainly not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh desires... What is against the spirit. And the spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other, so that you don't do what you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are obvious sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatreds, strife, jealousy. "'Outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar. "'I am warning you about these things, as I warned you before, "'that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. "'But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. "'The law is not against such things.' Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Well, now that another year has come and gone, um, I have found, now tell me if you agree, that one of the most annoying end-of-year trends has to be the scapegoating of all of our problems onto the past year. And I don't think, you know, I was watching going into 2022 to see if this was going to happen. And to be honest with you, it wasn't as bad as it's been in previous years. I think we are not so naive anymore. We've learned. But I noticed this happening a few years ago. But it was especially bad in last year on New Year's Eve uh, where it was like death to 2020, you know, like. I hate 2020. I'm so glad 2020 is over. Goodbye 2020. Hello 2021. 2021 is gonna be so much better than the last year. Thank God. And you know, you saw I saw these memes going around that if 2020 was a this, it would be this. And I've got the picture for you on the screen. You know, my favorite is if 2020 was a bag of chips, it would be toothpaste and orange juice. That's just so nasty. You know, if 2020 was a piñata. <laughs> It would be a a hive, a beehive. Uh those are some those are some good ones. But the sentiment is, is that, you know, twenty twenty was terrible and twenty twenty one is just gonna be our year, right? It's just gonna be our year. And here we are saying, you know, to another year. Goodbye, twenty twenty-one. Hello, twenty twenty-two. And what are we saying? Twenty twenty-two is gonna be our year. This is the year. This is the year where everything is going to be great. As if New year, a new year cancels out the fact that we're all the same people here in 2022 that we were in 2021. But there's something about a new year that brings out the very bright and best optimism in us. Don't you agree? I think of a new year sort of like I think of a new pair of shoes or maybe a new car. You know, you start doing your very best. I'm going to keep it clean. I'm not going to let any dirt get on these new shoes. You know, I'm not going to, like, get any crumbs on the interior of this car. And you tell yourself, this is going to be different. This pair of shoes, this car is going to be different. And, but eventually, what happens is just like that pair of shoes or, like, that brand new car that you bought is that they all end up looking like the, all the other pairs of shoes in your closet or like every other car that you've owned. You know, what I love about humanity is that we're filled with these good desires. We have really good intentions You know, in 2022, I want to eat better. I want to get stronger, get leaner. I want to pray more. I want to love more. I want to be a more patient person. I want to be on my phone less. I want to do all these sorts of things. But the timeless truth is, is that no matter how good our desires are, no matter how noble they are, they are no match for our most deeply embedded habits. And if we want to change, and I believe that we all here, you know, go into a new year thinking, you know, how can I change? How can I be a better person? How can I grow? That if we want to grow in 2022, we've got to start not by looking at our deepest desires, but actually by looking at our most deeply embedded habits. We've got to get in and look under the hood, so to speak, at the unconscious rhythms which shape us. You see, real change happens when we change not our desires, but we change our disciplines, when we change our habits, when we renew our rhythms. And this is what we do every year here at Life Center. We begin a new year by reminding one another about the importance of discipline in regards to our discipleship. Every year here at Life Center, we start the year off by setting a new rhythm. And so next week, we're going to start 21 days of fasting and prayer, like Pastor Sam announced this morning. And I just encourage you as your pastor, just consider what God, and and don't just like, just ask yourself. Ask God, God, what is it that you want me to fast? You know, because I think when we ask ourselves, our brains are very good at finding sort of, you know, like the, the easiest way out. Like, you can fast. Uh, vegetables these 21 days. God wants you to give up vegetables. No, ask God, to pray to God and say, God, what is it that you want me uh, to give up? And so this is how we begin the year with 21 days of fasting and prayer. And what we also want to do is we want to set aside these next few Sundays in the month of January to look at the habits of spiritual formation, like prayer and fasting Sabbath keeping, solitude, so forth. These habits and these rhythms that God uses to shape us into the people that he wants us to be. You know, like Dallas Willard, the great author, uh, he once said that if we do not make formation in Christ the priority that we are just going to keep on producing Christians that are indistinguishable in their character from many non-Christians. And I think the same can be said about a new year, that if we do not make formation in Christ a priority in 2022, then we are just going to keep on being the same people we were in 2021. That if we want to change, and if we really truly want to grow in Christ, we need to Dig down deep and look at what does it mean to be formed in Christ. So here we are in 2022. In our devotion to Christ, my call to us this month is not to say death to 2021, but death to the desires of my flesh. You know, like Paul said to the church in Galatia, death to my sinful nature, which wages war within me against God's spirit. Because this is where spiritual formation happens from the inside out. Spiritual formation is not dependent on what's happening out there in the world. You know, we don't love Jesus any more or less depending on how great or terrible this past year was. We want to ask God, change me, Lord, from the inside out so that when we inevitably do and will experience trials in 20, 2022, because we're not naive enough to think that 2022 is going to be so much better and awesomer and all those sorts of things, there will be ups and downs. We can expect that. We can consider it joy knowing that it is in the embracing and not the forsaking of these challenges and trials that come with every season of life that God brings us to full maturity in Him, in Christ. And so the reason I, why I don't love scapegoating of the past year's Onto the past years is because God uses seasons. God uses all seasons of life to shape us. God uses rhythms, all rhythms, high rhythms, medium rhythms, low rhythms, all the rhythms of life to form us. And in the book of Ecclesiastes, the wise King Solomon once said that for everything, there is a season and there is a time for every matter under heaven. There are times for this, and there are times for that. There is times for war. There are times for peace. There's times for sickness. How many of you know that right now we're living through a time of sickness, and there are times of health? And our hearts have these seasons too. And these seasons are no respecter of age. You know, a young person's soul can be dark and grim, and a person of of elder years, their soul can be breezy and warm. You know, all of life is lived within these changing seasons and rhythms. You know, our beating heart has a rhythm. It's when our heart is out of that regular rhythm. What do we call it? Heart arrhythmia. It is, is out of rhythm. It is out of that regularity. You see, God has put eternity in our hearts. God has set this concept of eternity. You know, we recognize whether we are believers in Christ or not. You know, all of us, I believe, deep down, believe that we are not just finite beings. I really believe that, that, we, that there's a belief that we're eternal and this world that we're living in is temporary with meaning and purpose that is beyond this life. And I think God, what he has done is he's given, given us these rhythms and these seasons to help us make sense of our eternality. That when we live according to the rhythms God has given us, when we keep in step with God through every season of life, our souls flourish. We prosper and because our souls are at peace with God. And I, there's one rhythm that I want to talk about this morning that I believe governs all other rhythms. And how we follow Jesus, how we are spiritually formed, is by keeping in step with this one rhythm. And that is what Paul says, walking by the Spirit's. Or later he says, keeping in step with the Spirit. In fact, all spiritual disciplines, all spiritual practices, all spiritual rhythms, whatever you want to call them, are meant to help us keep in step with this universal rhythm of walking by the Spirit. Paul says this in verse 16, I say then, walk by the Spirit, and you will certainly not carry out the desire of your flesh. Now that's quite a promise, isn't it? If you walk by the Spirit, You will not carry out the desires of your flesh. How many of you in 2022 have no desire to walk by the desires of your flesh? That is your prayer. That is your desire. That is your goal. Paul's saying if you don't want to walk, you know, according to the desires of your flesh, walk by the spirits because you won't carry out those desires. And what are those desires? Paul says he gives us this entire list of things. And and he says at the very end, he's like, oh, yeah, and this list is not all inclusive. There's more. There's more. You know, sexual immorality, promiscuity, idolatry, hatred, anger, selfishness, pretty much anything bad that you can think of, the desires of your flesh. And these are the desires which naturally wage war against God's spirits. And they're the desires that God has called us in His Word specifically, and he uses the, the, Paul uses the pinnacle metaphor or symbol of Christianity to crucify these desires to execute them, to put to death these desires of our flesh, if we are to follow him and to walk according to the Spirit. Paul says another time in the book of Colossians, in Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, he says this in a very similar vein. He says, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. Where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever is earthly in you. And then Paul goes on to list basically the exact same list he gives in the book of Galatians. You see, following Jesus involves two steps. First is seeking the things that are above, seeking God. But secondly, it involves crucifying the things that are below. And what God has done is he has given us his Holy Spirit in order to lead us in these two steps. The Holy Spirit is what God has given us to be a perfect indwelling guide. That when you are saved, when you give your life to Christ, something supernatural happens, something very spiritual happens, and that is God comes and lives in you. And how God lives in you is through His Spirit. His Holy Spirit comes in and dwells within you. And the evidence, if you want to know, because it's supernatural, you cannot see it with your eyes, but you can see it in faith because there's evidence. And that evidence is what is called the fruit of the Spirit. That is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, all those things. They are the evidence. They are the evidence of what? The character of Christ in you. And that's the point Paul is making to the Galatians who were being saved by the power of Jesus. But after being saved, after having God's spirit in them, they were trying to follow Jesus according to the power of the law. And Paul is saying that that is pointless and it is futile. Because if you know what the law is, the law is a temporary placeholder. It is an imperfect guide meant to lead you to a perfect Savior. And now that you have a perfect Savior, what God has done is He's given you a perfect guide to help you follow Him. That is what the Holy Spirit does in your life. That is the Spirit's role in you. Just as Jesus is the primary person, the person of the Trinity, responsible for the justification for your salvation, the Holy Spirit is the primary person of the Trinity responsible for your sanctification. That is that fancy word that means essentially growing in Christ. You know, the, the Spirit is God's answer for that dilemma of Jesus when he said, apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And God's answer to that is here, I have given you my Spirit. I have placed my Holy Spirit within you to guide you, to lead you. And if you walk by the Spirit, what the Spirit does is the Spirit leads us step by step, closer and closer towards Christ-likeness, towards holiness. And And so holiness does not come from our own performance for God, but we become holy from his performance through us by his own spirits. And so because we are to walk by the Spirit, we are not meant to be passive observers in our own sanctification. Meaning we don't just grow spiritually by doing nothing. That because the Holy Spirit is in us, we can just kind of sit back and let the Spirit do all the work. In fact, I think of discipleship as sort of the opposite of that cute little poem, uh, Footprints in the Sand. Anyone know that? Footprints in the Sand. Very cute poem about somebody complaining to Jesus how in the toughest times of life, you know, you left me and I know that because there's only one set of footprints in the sand. And Jesus kind of says, you know, the reason why there's only one set of footprints is because I've been carrying you this entire time. It's a cute poem. (laughs) And I'm sure there are times when God does carry us. Same way that there are times when I've had to carry my little toddler when they decided, I don't want to walk anymore. I'm too tired, or I just don't want to. And they just fall on the floor. And I'm like, okay, pick them up, and I walk. And But as we mature in Christ, as we grow in Christ, as we as we follow Jesus and we mature in Him, there will be two footprints in the sand. It is the Spirit's footprints and your footprints. The Spirit will be leading you, and you will follow as you walk and step with the Spirit. You see, walking by the Spirit is walking in perfect rhythm with God. Like, if you've ever seen two soldiers marching, it's beautiful, isn't it? If you remember, if you are here on on Remembrance Day, we had two soldiers, and they were, you know, uh, moving in perfect sync, you know, in this perfect unity. And I know we've got some soldiers in the room. Uh, Elizabeth could probably say much better than I could, but I imagine walking and marching in perfect rhythm doesn't happen in one day, right, Elizabeth? doesn't happen on the first day of basic training. How much practice goes into that? A lot, a lot, okay, a lot. It takes practice, doesn't it? And the meaning of that word, that walking by the Spirit, in the original language, it ref- infers this continuous regular action that is always taking place. It's like this rhythmic way of living your life. And I think walking by the Spirit, it's not something we just wake up and we are born again and suddenly we are walking in perfect step with the Spirit. It takes time. It takes practice, it takes discipline, but over time throughout your life, our stepping becomes more in sync with the Spirit's stepping. And the longer you and I, we walk with God's Spirit, the better we are with keeping in step with God's Spirit. This is discipleship to Jesus. Keeping in step with God's rhythm for your life. But on the other hand, while following Jesus involves walking by the Spirit's, the opposite of that is carrying out the desires of our flesh. That is letting our sinful desires go unchecked. It is letting it go run free. And Paul makes it clear, you cannot walk by the Spirit at the very same time as you carry out the desires of your flesh. You can't do both. It's impossible. You can't do both simultaneously. Paul says in verse 17, For the flesh desires what is against the Spirit, and the Spirit desires what is against the flesh. They are opposed to each other. They're like opposite sides of the magnets so that you don't do what you want. So when we're saved by Christ, we know, we've established, the Holy Spirit comes and lives within you, and is guiding you, and is leading you, and if you follow the Spirit, if you walk in step with the Spirit, you will grow in holiness and Christ-likeness. But we need to know today that on the other side, that when we are saved, there is the flesh is the term that Paul uses to describe everything in us that is still left over. And how many of you know that, yes, the Spirit of God is in us, but there's also a lot of stuff that God still needs to work out? And I think a lot of Christians, we can be misjudged because the, the world believes that a Christian is someone who has to be perfect. And while we make it harder on ourselves, I think that we need to, there's no one who's perfect. Instead, we are following a perfect Savior. The only person in this room right now that is perfect is Jesus. And he's here in the room with us then everything in us that is still yet to be redeemed, what it does is it produces a wrestle in you. It produces a struggle. That when we leave the desires of our flesh in us, when we don't crucify them, when we don't you know, um, uh, give them to Christ, they wrestle in us, they struggle with us, they battle against the rhythm of walking by the spirits. And because of how prone our hearts are to wandering, Why we must crucify these desires of our flesh is because these are the desires that knock us out of perfect rhythm with God's Spirit. Paul says in verse 24, now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh. Not just allowed it to remain, not just put it away. No, no, no. You crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Why do we have to crucify them? Why do we have to put them to death, as Paul says in Colossians? Colossians. Well, these passions and desires cannot peacefully coexist. If they are at war with one another, they're not going to stop until one is defeated and the other is victorious. One's going to win and the other will lose. In other words, this is spiritual warfare. This is spiritual conflict. And if there's anything we learned this past summer, if you're with us throughout our series on spiritual conflict, whenever there is spiritual conflict, whenever our flesh wants to do battle against God's Spirit, victory in Jesus is always possible. Can anyone here say amen to that? There is victory in Jesus for those who today want to walk by the Spirit and not walk according to the desires of your flesh. And so today I want to show you the path towards victory. And really that's what the next few weeks is all about, is helping us to achieve victory in Christ. I want to show you and I how we can walk by God's Spirit and not walk according to the flesh. But first I need to paint you a picture of, of something that is happening right now in our nation. Statistics Canada released a new report recently on religiosity in Canada And it's evolution from 1985 to 2019. So I want to share with you some statistics. Now keep in mind that everything that I'm about to read doesn't include what has happened throughout this pandemic. And if there's anything I'm certain of, these numbers have been accelerated even further. In 1985, 90% of Canadians were affiliated with a religious group. That's pretty good, isn't it? Now that's not just Christianity. That can be any religion. But 90% of Canadians were affiliated with a religious group. 2019, 66% of Canadians are affiliated with a religious group. I'm sure you would have expected that. But that's still pretty good, isn't it? Two-thirds of all Canadians identify with some religious group with some sort of faith. In 1985, now this is where things get a little bit more grim, 43% attended a group religious activity at least once a month. So just one time a month. Less than 50% were attending once a month. In 2019, 23% attended a group religious activity at least once a month. Less than a quarter of Canadians went to church just one time in a month. 2003, 71% said their religious or spiritual beliefs were somewhat or very important. That number reduced down to 54% in 2019. They said their religious or spiritual beliefs were somewhat or very important. And now this is where things also digress. In 2019, 23% of Canadians reported participating in a group religious activity like a worship service at least once a month. 37% said they engaged in a religious or spiritual activity on their own. So more Canadians that have faith are doing it on their own than doing it together in community here's what, uh, here's what's been concluded of this report recent generations were less likely than the generations that came before them to report a religious affiliation to participate in group or individual religious activities or to place a high value on religious and spiritual beliefs and how they live their lives the report found some differences, though. People born outside Canada were more likely than those born in Canada to report a religious affiliation and participate in group religious activities. The fact their children are becoming less religious is consistent with other studies that show immigrants are more religious in the first generation, but this wanes with each passing generation. What does this data tell us? What it tells us is that Canada is shifting its beliefs from religious groups to either personal or political ideologies. That Canada is shifting its formation from the community to the individual. And I'm I'm really concerned by that because while it's possible to be saved on your own, it's impossible to grow on your own. It's impossible. I'm just going to say it. If you think you can grow in Christ by yourself, it's You're not going to get very far. You need the church. That's why God gave us the church, to help us to grow, to help us to grow in him. And within one generation, for those of you who are immigrants from a different country, you know, hear this today, within one generation, Canadian culture is becoming a more dominant shaper of identity, values, and practices than one's culture of origin, that means after one generation of somebody coming to Canada, they are more disciple to Canada than they are to your own culture and your own religious beliefs. In other words, on the outset, the desires of the flesh are winning here in Canada. Canada and many of the believers, to be just frank, have fallen out of step with God's spirits. And many are no longer walking in perfect rhythm. But here's what I believe today. Here's the hope. If Canada has changed, and it has, hasn't it? I believe today that Canada can change again. Do you believe that? That Canada, if if we've changed, we can change again. And if Canada is going to change, it's going to require followers of Jesus who are committed to relearning, to reestablishing, to recommitting to keeping in step with God's spirits, to crucifying the desires of the flesh in order to keep in step with God's spirits. One of the reasons I believe we're at this point, even among Christians, is that we have wanted at the same time to walk by the Spirit, but also continue to carry out the desires of the flesh. And I think the fruit and the evidence of that is what we just said. You know, Paul says it's sexual immorality, promiscuity, idolatry, anger, division, and all those things can be sort of found in our culture today. But when we walk by the Spirit, when we crucify the desires of the flesh, the evidence will be love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and and so on and so forth. So, how do we do this? Well, for me, I believe this today, that this will happen not just through desire, but through discipline. That's the take home today. That if we want to see our nation changed, if we want to see revival, we have to have desire, no question. And never would I ever, you know, want to knock down desire. I love the fact there are so many here who desire revival, desire God, but we need discipline. You know, and and walking by the Spirit requires more than just desire to be spiritually formed. It desires what we struggle with so mightily as a culture, and that is discipline. You know, when I look at this country that I love, that we love, Canada, you know, I see no shortage of spiritual desire or hunger. I used to think that Canada was becoming more secularized because it was losing its spiritual hunger and desire, its religious desire. But now I believe more than ever that we haven't lost this desire at all. We've just shifted this desire onto other non-theistic beliefs and practices like politics or other personal uh, or individual ideologies. The good news is that in Canada, there's no shortage of desire. But no matter how great our desire is, no matter how great our desire is for change, desire alone is no match for the desires of our flesh. Desire leads to willpower. And willpower is a good thing, which can be really helpful. If any of you are starting a new diet or starting a new goal, what do you start with? You start with desire. Every goal is birthed with desire. And desire produces willpower. But there's a reason why we often cheat on our diets at the end of the day and not at the beginning of the day. And the reason is is that willpower is in short supply. How I many of you can testify to that? It's the reason why the chips come out at night. Not the orange juice and toothpaste chips, but the dil, spicy dill pickle chips. <laughs> Those have been an ongoing joke if you've been here for a while. They keep coming out in my sermons. Maybe the Lord needs me to crucify that desire today. <laughs> desire leads to willpower, doesn't it? Desire leads to willpower. Here's what John Mark Comer has to say Uh, in his recent book, Live No Lies. To win, we need access to a power that is beyond us. We access the power of the Spirit by engaging spiritual practices. Willpower is at its best when it does what it can. That is, direct my body into spiritual practices. So the Spirit's power can do what my willpower can't. That is, overcome the world, the flesh, and the devil. What we need to walk by the Spirit today is more than just desire. What we need is discipline. Desire produces willpower, which is good. But discipline leads to spirit power. And when our desire to follow Jesus is matched by a discipline to follow through on that desire, we are positioning ourselves to live by a power that is completely beyond us, that is completely greater than our power. And that is the power of God's Spirit. That's what a disciple of Jesus is in my my mind. It is somebody who has a desire to follow Jesus, but also the discipline to follow through on that desire. And I believe Canada can change, but it won't change by the power of our own will, our own reason, our intellect. It will change when people like you and me, we're committed together to keeping in step with the spirits. So that by keeping in step, by walking by the Spirit, we will see God's power move in our church, in our neighborhood, in our city, in our nation. And so in closing, in 2022, my my call to you today is will you recommit yourself today to walking by the Spirit? Will you renew your desire for Jesus, but recognize that desire alone won't be enough? Will you allow the Spirit today to examine your habits? your disciplines, your rhythms, along with your desires? Will you repent with me when we have fallen short in keeping in step with the spirits? Will you renew your intention in 2022 to crucify the desires of your flesh? Will you commit with me this week to praying and seeking God about what God is calling us to give up, to fast and to pray in order to sort of restart those healthy rhythms that help us to walk according to the Spirit's?